0: and welcome to the Oxano podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the word. Thanks for listening. Y'all, it's so good to be back together. The world has changed. Since we were all together, right? I mean, we when we last were together, uh, a lot of you. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Blake. I'm one of the ministers on staff here. I'm married to a wonderful woman named Becca, uh, and she is about two weeks away from the due date of our second child. And uh, so, Ben Hewitt, where you at? Uh, You're on standby. I told Becca if she's going into labor to call you, and you would give me the signal. And then you'd come and preach. So, uh, pray that doesn't happen, man. But we have, like, the last time a lot of people saw Becca, she wasn't showing or anything like that. And then we had some of the students uh, through a baby shower the other day. And it's like the first time they've seen her in eight months. And it's just like, whoa, you know, it's one of those, it's just crazy. The last time Thomas, we have an almost four-year-old, he has just shot up over the summer. Like you can have a full-blown conversation with a guy. He started telling jokes or like what he thinks are jokes and they're hilarious. And so it's just been so much fun. Like uh, even in the midst of everything else that's been going on, but like we are so thankful to be back together. It's a new place moving from the chapel over here to the sanctuary, but for us to be able to spread out a little bit more and to be safe. And honestly, I'm just glad being up here. I don't have to wear a mask up here. So it's uh, uh, refreshing to be able to breathe uh, a little bit more. But it's one of those things, y'all, with us here at the beginning of this new semester, like a lot of you, I mean, Oxano, like you've been here since the very beginning, ground zero. We have some people that joined us midway through the year last year, some people that were checking us out just before everything got cut short at spring break, and we have a lot of first-time visitors tonight, so grateful for you guys coming and checking out what we have going on here, and maybe you came with a friend at the invitation of a friend, or you came because you saw us on social media, something like that, but regardless, we are all here at this place tonight, but you might have a couple of questions. Like, there are questions that like we as a team, we've had uh, for this past year that we've had going on. Even I've been here for two years and some change now as we've been thinking through what would meaningful college ministry, young adult ministry, 18 to 29-year-olds, what would it look like here at Dawson in Birmingham, Alabama? And so we have this service on Tuesday nights called Oxana. So you might have the question, well, why? Why this service? Or you might have the question, what the tar does Oxano mean? <laughs> it's a, like, a, why is it called that? Uh, is, I mean, is it just because it's six letters and you can t- stack three on three? You can stack two on two on two? Like, our graphic designers love it. And so, like, we, you, you have all this other kind of stuff. Or, like, you have this, uh, you know, it has kind of this cool sounding name. Nothing else is called Oxano. Why are you guys going with Oxano? You might, you might have those kind of questions. And so, for us, as we come back here at the beginning of what feels like a restart, And what feels like a new beginning, I wanted us, for our folks that have been here from Ground Zero, for our folks that are joining us for the first time, just to be able to gather around the table and to share a little bit of the family history about what makes this service tick, about what is going on here in this place, and why we call this service Oksana. So, I mean, why do we do this service? Well, I can give you a few reasons why we don't. So, we don't do this service because it's the thing you're supposed to do. Like, if you want to have a relevant college or young adult ministry, then you need to start a weeknight service. I mean, that's not why we do Oxano. We, we don't do Oxano to build a platform, to launch a brand, to gain a following. We, we don't have this service so that we can provide you with mood architects, that we can give you inspirational life coaches or go-get-them speeches. Like, that's not why we come together and we pull together here in this place. We come together and we come here to worship because we firmly believe that there are three distinguished marks of this particular season that you find yourself in. Whether you are a freshman in college or whether you are in grad school, the working world, bridging on up into your 30s. That there are three words that characterize this particular age group more probably than any other. Transition, connection, and growth. Transition, connection, and growth. Like a lot of you are going through a lot of transition right now. Like we got some folks that are transitioning from high school, a senior year, that got cut short, that proms didn't happen, that graduations were on football fields if they happened at all, that you did not get the kind of closure that maybe you were looking for, and now you're over here on college campuses, and it looks nothing at all like you would have expected. You have that transition, or when you get Onto campus, like from major to major. I'm not going to ask for hands, but I would venture to guess that we've had a fair amount of major changes in the room. life. So you have the transition from being over here in general business to now you're coming over here to the humanities. Or now you've been over here in health sciences, and now you're going over here to the arts. The transitions from what you're studying, the classes, the advisors, the requirements, everything that you have. It's transition. It's transition or a big one. Everybody talks about the transition from high school to college, but few people talk about the transition from college to the real world. And it's in that, like, looking back from my time, so I graduated from UA down in Tuscaloosa, and looking back from my time there, my crew that I was with there, and the jump that a lot of us had to make from college to young adulthood, Like We felt like we had been really supported, that we had been really bolstered, that we had been really warned about everything that we could expect to be going into college, but that maybe there were some things that was lacking, maybe some pictures that weren't accurately painted for what it would look like when we actually got out into the real world. There are those transitions that are happening all the time. But then, there's so much growth that takes place in this season. That it's it's a part of my story, it's my team. A lot of the other people that I've had the privilege to be able to serve alongside here at Dawson is that there is something that God just seems to get an insane amount of pleasure out of using this particular season in your life. That God seems to be gripping more and more young men and women's hearts within this particular season than any other. That yes, the foundational years growing up, if you had the honor of being in a Christian home where mom and dad were able to point you to Jesus day after day, week after week. But if you even just started following Jesus one year, two years, three years ago, coming in, and that there is something that the Lord seems to use about this season that just is such a major catalyst for growth. You're building upon a foundation that was laid in childhood, and now you are making decisions. If you're going somewhere, it's because you want to. If you're doing something over here, it's not always because someone is compelling you or someone is dragging you out of bed to be able to get there, but the Lord is using this season, and there is a tremendous amount of growth. Intellectually, from what y'all are learning in school and grad school and now in the working world, From things that you're learning, as you're growing relationally with more and more people, as your friendships are deepening, as maybe romantic relationships are taking next steps, you're doing that with more intentionality. Transition, connection, and growth are three things that are hallmarks of college students and young adulthood in this season. And Oxano helps to facilitate all three of those things. As you're going throughout this time. Because this gets us into our second question. Why Oxano? Why why is it called Oxano? Well Oxano is a Greek New Testament word. For growth or increase. Growth or increase. And as we come alongside. We are hoping to help be the catalyst for your growth as you are walking through transition, as you are seeking to make deeper connection to God, to others, to the world around you, and then as you are growing in your relationship with Him and in being able to love and serve those around you. This, is, this word, it's a, it's a fascinating word. As I've gone through and as I've talked with our team more, like, Oksano, it's not just a name. It's not just something that looks cool on a t-shirt, which it does. Like, I love it. Great job. Team. It was wonderful. But Oxano really is a one-word prayer that we pray for all of you most consistently. It is an entire prayer wrapped up in one word that we pray most consistently for our college students and for our young adults here. And as we get to the end of our time together tonight, you're going to be able to see why. Because there are three areas that we're able to see in the New Testament where God is giving this particular kind of growth and how it impacts the world around you. And so the first kind of growth that we're going to be able to see with Oxano is personal growth. And so there's a litany of verses that are going to be popping up on the screen behind you. But the first of them is from 1 Peter 2, Peter's first letter to the churches. This is what he says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. That word grow up is the Greek word oxano. Or in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Or Colossians 1, Paul writing now to the church at Colossae. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, oxano, in every good work, and increasing, oxano, in the knowledge of God. And so like in this particular season, for this personal growth that we're hoping to partner with the Lord, to promote in you is when you live this kind of life and when you experience this kind of growth you long for spiritual nourishment you long to be built up you long to be satisfied you long for the things of the lord and so, y'all when i was going through college and there's, it's not just people in the Lord that are growing a lot in this season. A lot of people are growing just in nature, like brains fully developing, being able to go through friendship networks, growing, people growing in their capacity, taking on more and more responsibility. But, so everybody's growing. It's just what are you growing in? And like when I was away at school, like, yes, a lot of people have prepared me for the big bad atheist professor and all oh, this person that's going to challenge my faith, scared me with stories and movies and this, that, and the other. And honestly, a lot of that wasn't true. And I went to the big, scary state public school. But what was actually more of a threat to my faith in school wasn't atheist professors. It wasn't comparative religion scholars. But it was chasing after lesser things. It was giving my life to things that weren't maybe inherently bad. But things that could stand in the place of God. Things that I would give myself, that I would give my time, that I would give my priority, that I would give my love, that I would build my identity in, and I would hold that up as central and foundational to my life. And so like in this particular season, even if you're in school or working, but where are you going to for nourishment? Where are you going to to be fed? Where are you going to to be built up? Is it something in the world, or is it are you returning for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation? So when you live this kind of life, you long for spiritual nourishment, but also you learn more about the one that you love. In 2 Peter 3, he says, But to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know who needs to hear this tonight, but you have permission to grow. There, there might be some of you that are coming in and you're like, I don't, honestly don't even know how I made it in the building tonight. Like, so-and-so dragged me here. But, like, if, even if I want to come back, like, there's some stuff that I've got to set straight in my life. Like, I've got to get this in order. I've got to kick that habit or that addiction. I've got to clear that out of my life. Or I've got to do this, this, or this, or this. And you're expecting yourself to be perfect before you come back. I want you to know that you have permission to grow here, that there is actually a precedent. Know that the Lord expects for you to be able to grow in the grace and to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And for some of you, like I alluded to earlier, maybe you are here and you have a long legacy of people in your family that have loved and followed Jesus and pointed you towards Him. Some of you, probably even ministry kids. But others of you, it wasn't on your family's radar. But the Lord has gripped your heart or the Lord has brought you here tonight and you're like, I don't. Everybody else was doing the coloring sheets and they can tell you these stories ad nauseum, but like I have no idea. Something about a fish, big boat. And so you're intimidated, you're turned off, you're feeling like you're isolated because you're not in the know. This is a place for you to be able to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. That you don't have to come here to prove how much you already know. You just have to come here and be ready to receive. And when you live this kind of life, when you are growing in this personal growth, not only are you longing for spiritual nourishment or learning more about the one that you love, but you are loving and serving your neighbor. What Paul says in Colossians 1, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. And so being able to love and serve your neighbor, that you have... Ordered priorities, that there is intentionality about what you give your schedule, what you give your money to, what you give your precious time to. But also a reordered perspective that no longer are you just trying to see that you get you and yours. That it's a me first mentality, but now that you have eyes that are lifted up off of yourself and onto the people around you. That this is the kind of growth. And so you can see that in this personal growth that the Lord wants to work in you. You can become your realest self. And I know that sounds like a cheesy self help book at Barnes and Noble, but you can become your realest self. You don't have to stay where you are right now. Whether it's yourself telling you that, whether it's your mom or dad telling you that, whether it's your friends, your toxic relationship telling you that, you do not have to stay where you are right now. Change is possible you are not paused at your worst moment. Either that you walked into, or that someone else dragged you into. I don't know, you guys remember that old Adam Sandler movie, Click, or whatever, where he has the remote, where he's able to do different things? Like, and so sometimes it's like, we don't have that remote, but sometimes we feel like we are paused in a particular moment, that we are not able to move past that particular moment. Or we just can't shake other people's perceptions of us. So, um, I mean, obviously coming out of quarantine, everybody's had a ton of time for Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO Max. Pick your streaming service, any streaming service, right? And so Becca and I, like every, every night when Thomas goes to bed, we just have this kind of thing together where we come together in the den and we figure okay, what are we watching tonight? So we'll watch through a TV show, we'll watch through a movie, but like we feel like we have gotten to the point, we have reached capacity for the things that we can watch, that we enjoy, Right, like it's a big investment to start a new TV show, y'all. Like, it, it's hard. Like, you know, you're going to be giving a lot of time. You're going to get close to these people. You don't want you to get close to anybody. And so, like, some of these TV shows, like, you know, you got to try it. It's almost like you have to date the TV show a little bit. And so, we're just at the point where we're like, we're done. You know, we, we're we're just going to go back through and we're going to rewatch things that we want to rewatch. But there was a night a couple weeks ago where Becca, she was like, uh, I'm really into this true crime podcast, Blake, and I'd really love just to be able to go and listen to a couple episodes. And I'm like. You're eight months pregnant. You can do whatever you want. And so go, please go. Please listen to that because I do not enjoy those. And I'll go back in here and I'll watch something that I want to watch. You know, typically that would be something like action adventure something mystery, something like that. And I was scrolling through Netflix. And lo and behold, don't judge me for this, but Les Miserab was on Netflix. It's been added. Yes. Yes. If If you have not seen that, like, it, it it will be good for your sanctification in the lord for you to go home tonight and to spend 3 hours watching that movie i pick two nights and i'm old and go to bed at 9:30 and so i have to be able to break things up like really long movies into episodes and so i watched the first 45 minutes which if you've watched it <clears throat> like i mean it's just it's dagger to the heart after dagger to the heart but you go through and if you've not seen it essentially what you have in this Long novel by Victor Hugo, which was turned into a musical, and now a movie starring Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman. Who would have thought? But they are both there, and they do a great job. But you have these two main characters, Jean Valjean and Javert. Jean Valjean, who is a criminal, and who is imprisoned and chained at the beginning of the movie, and is being overwatched by Javert, the inspector. And as you have Jean Valjean at the end of this first scene, he is being set free from his 19 years of imprisonment. And you find out that he was imprisoned for 19 years. Why? Because he stole a loaf of bread in the French Revolution era. And so Jean Valjean, he is released and he feels the chains being released. And he is just, I'm free. But then Javert kind of leans in a little bit and says, you're not free. Here are your parole papers. You will show this to every inn, to every restaurant, to every place of employment that you could ever possibly think of. This will be a badge of shame that you wear for the rest of your life so that you can remember who you are and so, so that others can know it too. And so in that moment... Javert is not able to see beyond what this guy supposedly was for something that he did 19 years earlier. And then we find out later that he stole the loaf of bread to feed his sister's dying son. That Javert just wanted to pause Jean Valjean in that moment. And every other time that the two meet within the course of the novel, in the course of the play, in the course of the movie... Javert is returning again and again to that paused moment that he is nothing more than a criminal. That he is nothing more than a lowlife. That he is nothing more than a runaway, a degenerate, someone who should be chained up. And in the end, he can't take it. Because Jean Valjean is a changed man. That he, in the course of the film, in the course of the novel, undergoes this growth. He has an encounter full of grace. He is reconciled to God and to his neighbor. And that changes the way that he lives. That changes how he interacts with people. That changes his priorities and who he's looking after and how he spends his money and where his time is given. And then every time they meet, Javert tries to pause. But Jean Valjean lives into that identity more and more From that personal growth that the Lord began in him. You can change. You don't have to stay the same. Whether it's the lie in your head that's telling you you can't. Or whether it's someone from the outside whispering all the way up to shouting it. There is a possibility for change. You can become your realist self. The image that God has imprinted on you can be set right again because of the finished work of Jesus. Not anything that you could do. Not anything that you could earn. Not anything that you could straighten or tidy up. Not anything that you could exert enough moral sweat. But God has so worked on your behalf that you can now have this growth. But then that leads us to the second kind of growth that we see in the New Testament. Moving on from personal growth, but now we see word growth. And that sounds real awkward when you say it. Especially just those two words spliced together. Like, word growth. What do you mean by that? But it's something that we see in the New Testament. in In the book of Acts, like, early church set on fire, like, in a good way. Like, it's going out. Like, it's blazing. You can't stop it. It's roaring. It's going. And you can't measure it. But they're not talking, they're not giving us church growth strategies, but they're just trying to keep up with what's going on and being able to tell us. And this is what they say, Luke, as he's writing in Acts chapter 6. And the word of God continued to increase. What an interesting way to phrase it. I don't think I had ever really slowed down to actually see the way that he's phrasing this. The word of God continued to increase And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That it seems that Luke is equating the number of disciples multiplying, the people coming to obedience of faith, that that is actually somehow the word of God increasing. It's again that word oxano. That it is bearing fruit, it's taking root in people's lives. And somehow, more and more, as the Word takes root in them, it is the appearance, it is the reality that the Word of God itself is growing. Or we see in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, again, the Word of God continued and increased and multiplied. Or we see, okay, well, what is this Word? What is the content of this Word? Well, it's the gospel in, in the passage that Cole read for us so well just a few moments ago, this is what Paul said. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Oxano, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. That it is the gospel. It is the announcement of what God has done for you that you could not do for yourself. That God has come. He has set the world right. He's making all things new. You included. That we right now are captive to sin dead ways of living. And are in a vicious cycle of death and destruction. But God has come. And he has set things straight. That he has taken the punishment reserved for you and for me. And now all that turn from their sin and trust in him. Who repent and believe in the good news. That God came, lived, died, and rose again, ascended on high, and that he's coming back. That he is making all things new. This is the word, the gospel that comes to you and that you believe, that you live in, and that now you freely share with other people because this word can take root in people's lives. We see this in Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower and the seed. If y'all are familiar with this passage, the, the sower, as he goes out to sow the seed, he's actually kind of frivolous. He's actually not very good at his job. He's going through and he's not going, he doesn't have all this highfalutin machinery that we have nowadays. He's not going out there, he's not digging a little hole, planting a little seed, covering it up, putting some water. Like the sower, He's just sowing the seed, just throwing it out indiscriminately. He's just a little bit over there, a little bit over there, bam! You know, all this, and the seed is showering everywhere. And what happens with the first type of soil? was along the path and the birds come and pluck it up and Jesus says that's when the enemy comes and takes away the word which is the seed from the hearts. Or the second type of soil, the really shallow rocky soil that yeah there's a lot of exuberance that shoots up really fast but it has no root. And as soon as the sun starts beating down on this particular seed as soon as the heat gets turned up in the seed's life then it gets scorched and it has no root, no way to get nourishment it withers and it dies. But then you have the third kind of soil. Things start growing up. Things start looking great. But then other things start growing up alongside it. The thorns and the thistles. And what happens with this seed? It's choked out. And Jesus says, it's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that start choking out the seed of the word of God growing in your lives. But then there's a fourth kind of soil. And it's where the seed goes, and it's the good soil. And it grows in in Mark 4, and other seeds fell into good soil, produced a grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Insane yields that were not even possible at the time. But Jesus says that this is the kind of growth that you can expect, and this is the kind of fruit that lasts. So when you experience this kind of word growth in your life, it is not, it's not foreign seeing people go from darkness to light. It's not strange seeing people turn from death to life. I don't know when the last time was that you were able to see or to walk alongside someone who made that choice to follow Jesus. But when you are in that moment and when you are with that person who has just made the most important decision Ever that has eternal ramifications. Gosh, you just want to see more and more people experience it. That when you live this kind of life, you will do whatever it takes to get the word, you will take whatever you will do, whatever it takes to get the seeds in people's hands. I was. Uh, Looking on Instagram the other day, one of my uh, buddies, he was in my wedding back in the day. He uh, was with his wife in D.C., and they went to the Museum of the Bible. And there was a really cool exhibit he had posted a story about. But it was a really sobering exhibit because it showed all of the languages of the world that still did not have translations of the Bible in their own language. And just when you see it all there, you're like, gosh, something has got to be done about this. Like we have got how many different translations in English and how many of them do we actually read? And you have people in other places of the world and other languages that don't have God's own word in their tongue. And we have means, like we can see this done in our lifetime. Like what's preventing us from doing this? Like it changes our priorities. It changes what we give to. It changes what we labor for. It might change how some of you study the trajectory that your life might be on but we do whatever it takes to get the Bible into people's hands. And then when we see and when we live this kind of growth, we see abundant and unthinkable change. We couldn't even begin to imagine what God is doing. But y'all, it's hard because it can take time. We're, We're the society that's just constantly reloading, right? If it takes more than five seconds for a page to load, I'm clicking that refresh button. Like I'm pulling, I'm swiping down so that that thing can refresh. Or I'm figuring out, okay, there's a little bit of a delay in the GPS, how dare it, you know? I missed that turn by 100 yards. Being able to go through, we want everything then and there. But with the way that God works, a lot of it is on agricultural time. A lot of it's long, slow, deep growth. It's kind of like even with that of a, a child. It's, it's so funny. Like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of y'all hadn't seen my wife. Because uh, last time we saw each other, she wasn't showing. But now she's about to pop. And so it's like you go from being able to see that. Into, and for me, it's not that big of a deal. I've been with her every day. I've seen her. Like the slow incremental changes, I just get adjusted to day by day. It's the same thing for my son. Like... I see Thomas every single day. You see yourself in the mirror virtually every single day, I bet. And you're not able to perceive the small, seemingly insignificant changes over the course of time. But when you go back home and see Grandma that you haven't seen since last Christmas, and she's able to, like, probably with a little too much specificity, tell you all the ways that you changed, right? Or, like, if you're going over here and you're able to see, y'all are going to see, if you see my son, and you're like, I can have a conversation with you. Like, when when did you develop language skills? Or like, when you're able to go over here and when you see this or that person and you're seeing the height, like, you are not able to see or perceive the changes on a slow day by day, but when you look at where you were at a particular point and where you look at where you are now, then you can be encouraged by that type of growth. So much depends on your perspective. But God's working, and it's it's the reason why we sang the song that we sang. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Because, y'all, He never stops. He never stops working. That He is always on the move, even when you can't see it, even when you can't feel it. There is word growth that is taking place that you can be a part of. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself. You can be a part of something that is world-shaking, that spans the globe. A lot of people think that Christianity is just happening over here in Western, the world and everything like that. But when you start looking into the history of the church and the ways that it has moved and the ways that it has permeated virtually every major society and culture, that it is not locked down to one particular demographic, people, group, or continent, but that God is sovereign. And he is redeeming a people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And you can be a part of that. You can be a part of something bigger than yourself. You can be a part of this word growth. And then finally, it all leads towards this kingdom growth. This kingdom, Oksana. In in the outpost of the kingdom, in the church, in Ephesians chapter 4, this is what Paul says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. We are to Oxano, in every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. And did you notice? It's talking in the plural. Because a lot of times we've been talking and we could be lulled into thinking that it's just growth that's me and mine. But there is a sense in which we do this corporately, which we do this together. And it's why you need a local body of believers because we are doing this together. We are growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. But also we can see the kingdom growing and bucking up against the borderlands of darkness. In Acts chapter 19 verse 20, it's right after the whole incidence with the seven sons of Sceva. And then there's basically like a reverse exorcism that takes place. And these guys are driven out naked, embarrassed, and ashamed. But then after that, the people, as the apostles are in and as they're preaching, they come together, they bring their spell books, the stuff from their pagan religions, and with however many thousands of pieces of silver, that's how much these books were worth, and they throw them into the fire. And if you have a study Bible, the ESV study Bible is my personal favorite, if you go and look at that, It says that the modern-day equivalent would be somewhere around $6 million in value in terms of the books that were burned that day. And the people saying, like, this is not the life that I'm living anymore, but now I'm following Jesus. And immediately after that act, it says, so the word of the Lord continued to increase, continued to oxana and to prevail mightily. This is kingdom growth, not anything that we can manufacture or fake or drum up or force or hype. This is something that is beyond our capability to control. This is something that the Lord graciously allows us to partner in and you can be a part of it. This kingdom growth, but it's not so that we can give ourselves a pat on the back. It's not so that we can feel good about ourselves at the end of the day. It's not so that we can write off some things on our taxes, which are coming. It's not fun. But we get to do this for the glory of the King. That's why this growth is given. In 1 Corinthians 3, this is what Paul is saying. In the Corinthian church, they were like, Christian celebrity is nothing new. People have their favorite podcast preachers or YouTube stars or Instagram, TikTok folks, whatever. Like they have all of these people that with these sermon jam videos and all that kind of thing. And you know, some say like, you know, I follow this guy, I follow that lady, I follow this person. That, but it was happening in the first century. It happened in, in the church at Corinth. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Cephas. Well, I follow Christ, the Super Christians, right? And so they're going through, and Paul, he's speaking to this rivalry that the people are projecting onto the leadership. This is what he says. Who are any of these people than people through whom you believed? Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God was the one who gave the growth. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So he, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, just the next verse. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God... Who gives the growth? So here at Oxana, through the songs that we sing, through the prayers that we pray, the scriptures we hear, and the sermons that are preached, we are seeking with many other incredible churches and ministries around this greater Birmingham area, we are seeking to plant and to water in the lives of college students and young adults. But it's not, if anything happens, it's not because of what we've done. But it's only because of God who is the one giving the growth. Why? So that he gets all the glory. So that it's not this or that ministry, this or that minister, this or that program, this or that church, but that it is God. Because you see a little bit earlier in the Gospels in John chapter 3, John the Baptist, he was out baptizing. And then his disciples saw, hey, this Jesus guy, he's on the scene now. And some of our folks are siphoning off over there. I mean, what are we going to do about this? And John the Baptist just looks at his disciples and says, "Like, I'm the one that was preparing the way. I told you I wasn't the Messiah. And in fact, he must increase, and it's that word oxano. He must oxano, but I must decrease." If there was a verse that we could pray over students, if there is something that someone could come and say that would lift my heart to the clouds and to say, this is why I get to do what I do. It's for someone to say that Jesus must increase in my life. That I want to see him grow in and through me. I want to see this word grow around me and I want to labor for something that will outlast me. I am putting it all in for the kingdom it's at that point where you will be able to sing with integrity the song we're going to sing here in just a moment, Christ be magnified. That when we ask for Christ's name to be magnified in our midst, when we ask for Christ's name to grow, to increase, to become clear in our midst, we're saying, God, this, everything else that I could pursue, everything else that I could gain, I count as a loss for the sake of knowing you my lord and my king that you can be a part of something that will last that will not even be undone by broken promises or death that jesus saves that jesus grows we're planting and we're watering but it is only god who gives the growth you might be here tonight and you're like i i want to begin this journey I want to go down this path. I want to experience that kind of growth that you're talking about. We would love to talk with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to be able to let you know more about what this means for your life. Or maybe you're here tonight and you just have a renewed resolve that you want to see this word growth take place on your campus. You want to see this word word growth take place in your office, in your family, in your friend group, on your team. It can happen. That as you continue to go to the Lord again and again, as you put yourself in the way of planting and watering, or in John 15, as he would say it, Jesus saying, abide in the vine, remain vitally connected to Him. Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. And ask the Lord to give the growth. Change is possible. Growth can happen. But where are we looking for it to take place? What are we looking to to produce it in us? Would it never be anything else than the Lord through His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for being a God who gives growth. For being one who can take us from death to life, from darkness to light. God, I pray that you would work in and through us, causing growth to spring up, perhaps for some for the first time, but God, for others, that you would be able to continue to grow. And for the times where we feel like nothing is happening, nothing's growing, nothing's changing in our lives, would you bolster our trust in you? Would you provide us with brothers and sisters who can remind us of the growth that we have in you? And for those who maybe have been wayward, for those who have been disconnected, for those who have been pursuing lesser things, God, would tonight be a challenge? Would tonight be an invitation back into the family? God, as we pray, as we sing, as we read, as we plant and as we water, God, we ask that you would give the growth and that you would get all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So if you're new here to Oxano, the next thing that we do in the portion of our service is what we call 120 seconds. And honestly, we call it 120 seconds just because it sounds cooler than saying two minutes. But we do this for two minutes where we carve out 120 seconds of silent reflection. And honestly, it's a little bit awkward And that's a OK, because for some of you it will probably be the first silent slice of your day that you've had in quite some time. But we create the space after the sermon, after the singing, for us to reflect on these two questions. And so I encourage people to pull out the notepad app on their phone, to get a scrap piece of paper, to take a pen from the pew rack in front of them, to jot down in your journal or the margin of your Bible, and reflect on these two questions: What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Take 120 seconds to consider those two questions. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.